coming to the end of the love month. You're really tired of me saying that like that, right? So we have um, we've been talking about the four different kinds of love that the Bible talks about. What was what was really interesting was I, I've never preached on these four loves. In 30 years, I've never preached on using these specific names. The storage love, the phileo love, the eros love, the agape that we're going to talk about today, the agape love. I've, I've never preached on, those, on love in, in that way with those four names and giving definitions of those and giving you scriptures that back those up. I've never preached on that before. And I've never heard it preached in my 42 years, I've heard lots of messages on love, but I've never heard it preached with those four names, okay? So, what's today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 24. So yesterday morning, we're, we're sitting in this service at the Dream Center in Phoenix, Arizona. And, uh, Three or four, they asked me to stand up and just say a quick something, and then another man did, and then the, the uh, Pastor Walt, who is the pastor over the Dream Center, has been for over 40 years, um, got up and talked, and then he introduced one of, one of their converts out of the Dream Center, and a um, big man that came and started talking and told his whole testimony and everything, and and then he started talking about the love of God, and he said, and there's four, there's four groups of love. And he said, there's the storage love, there's the eros love, and he, and he defined it just like I've defined it, and there's the phileo love and the agape love. And all of our people, I was sitting over on, in a, on another seat, and they, everybody looked over at me and thinking, and, and I've never heard anybody use those four at the same time. You know, the storage love has had different names used, and I've actually never preached it and used it, but that man used all four of them and, and gave the same definitions that I've been giving you. So I thought, well, same God, same a lot of things, but it just, I don't know, it was a, it was a really interesting, uh, it, you know, interesting moment for someone to share something that we've been preaching on that I've spent a lot of time on. So I just figured, well, it's either because of the same God or he heard my message. Anyway, <clears throat> and he probably didn't hear my message. It's because we serve the same God. Amen? And God is real. I mean, it just makes you think about how real that this stuff really is. Amen? It's real. It's real stuff. We don't just preach another message. We preach something that makes a difference. Amen? So, anyway, I thought you'd like that. Uh, I did, anyway. So, our foundational scripture, 1 John 4. Um, I 
And verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So if you, if you love in a situation, you're born of God, but you love not just because you're born again, but because you know God in the area that you're loving. You've, you've developed a relationship with God, you're developing it on a day-to-day basis, and you're learning how to love in unlovely situations. It, the Bible's very clear, there's really very, very little profit in life to love someone that loves you. Very little profit in that. God's looking for us to trust Him in the way that we love other people. And um, so he said, if you're born again, that doesn't mean that you're going to walk in love. You have to know him. To be born again is to meet him. Then we have to develop a relationship with him to know him and know how to love. Amen? And how how to put that to work on a day-to-day basis. Verse 8 says, he who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. And I want, you to, I want you to remember that today in, in several things I'm going to look at and share at concerning the agape love, the fourth love. And agape is defined as the selfless, the sacrificial love, the unconditional love, supreme love. In other words, it is the highest form of love. And <clears throat> in life... Um, as the scripture said there, you will not love your children. We're talking about the storage love. You will not love your children the way God loves us if you don't understand God through the agape love, the unconditional love. You, you cannot love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. And many people don't not only don't like themselves, they hate themselves. Many people have issues with other people because of things they don't like in themselves, but they don't really know that. You have to learn to love yourself before you can love your neighbor, and your neighbor is everybody else other than you, not just the person next door. It's anybody and everybody that's not you. you you'll, you'll never love people if, you don't, if you're not in an ongoing, developing relationship with God and learning to react to situations with other people the way that God would. That ultimately, that's what we want to do. I, I want to act and react every day in every situation the way that God would react if God was here. And God is here because He's here in me. <clears throat> but 1 Corinthians 13 says that love... God is kind. It doesn't say anything about me. It says that God is. God is patient because love, God is love and love is patient. So God is patient, but it didn't say anything in that verse about me. Love is not rude. It doesn't say anything about me. All of those characteristics that love that God is, He is that way. And he's in us, but that doesn't mean that I'll be that way if, if, what, if what, the life that I live is not first and foremost in me developing how God would act and react in a situation. 
It's so vital that we understand that and that we see how to do that. That we become patient people in situations so that our first response is not emotional, but our first response is, what would God do? Anybody ever remember those bracelets or do you people still wear them? What would Jesus do? Anybody remember those what would Jesus do bracelets? I love those. I've got about 25 of them. <clears throat> They're stacked up. I got them in all different forms and kinds. All my daughters gave them to me when they were young. And I got a really, really nice one. I saw it the other day. I thought, ah, maybe I'll start wearing that again. Start a new fad. The resurrection of what would Jesus do? Amen? <clears throat> but, but those are the kind of reminders that we need. What would God do in this situation? So, the Bible says it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises. It's vital that we understand that that patience is vital to walking the way God would walk. Patience, because patience will stop you in the moment and get you to not just think about what you have a right to say or do or how you have a right to react in a situation how would you do, how would God handle this situation? <clears throat> so, all, all y'all that went on the trip, you knew I was going to tell this story, right? About the tire and the guy. You knew I was going to tell it, so here's the perfect time. <clears throat> so, we're, uh, we were at, the, at an Indian reservation which is one of the outreaches that the Dream Center has, about 45 minutes from the Dream Center. And so um, we, there were 20 of us. We rented a 15-passenger van, and, then, and the Le Mans were there with us. They stayed there, and they had their car, and so we, we worked it out where we could all ride together um, and, uh, or drive together. And so we're, uh, yesterday morning, the, the, the van... The, the tire light came on on the van. Evidently, we found, I think Randy found a nail that was in the tire of this van that we rented at the airport. And uh, so the tire was going down, and, and uh, everybody was getting ready. We are going to go into service that morning, and I took the van and put some air in. Well, we went to the, took it to the Indian Reservation, and then we had to come back to the Dream Center to get our luggage And so we were kind of running out of time. It was late. Well, that tire was going down. So we needed to stop at a convenience store and put some air in it. We stopped at three convenience stores, and somebody had come along and cut the end of every one of those. looked like the same guy. He was probably after the copper on the end of that thing. Probably get him about 30 cents worth of copper. Anyway, they were after the copper or something, but every one of those were cut off. So we finally found one, and we pulled the van up, and, uh, and uh, where's Corey at? Oh, there he is. Corey's driving the van, and I'm sitting over on the passenger side, so I'm going to get out, and we're going to hurry this process up because we need to get this air in this tire. So there's somebody where the, getting air. Well, I didn't know that the guy, there was a guy parked next to these people that he'd been waiting for a while to get the air. So this car backs out. I'm standing there with the hose, and the van pulls in, and all of a sudden this guy starts reacting, you know? I mean, really reacting. And he pulls his car out, and, 
and, and, and somebody, somebody jumped out of the van and told me, hey, this guy's been waiting and he's not real happy. And so I walked around the side of the van there and this guy gave me some few choice words, actually a number of real choice words, and let me know how he felt about the fact that I stole his place. And uh, so I looked at Cora, I said, you know, pull the van back, you know. I should have said to the guy, look, it's the guy, the guy driving, it's his fault, not mine. <laughs> No, but you see, love doesn't respond like that. Love doesn't put the blame on someone else, right? So I'm out there with the hose, and I, say, I look at the guy. Uh, so Corey moved the van out, and so his truck, I said, back your truck up right there, and I'll, I'll hold the end of the hose so you can get to it, you know? And he's, man, he's just mouthy. He's just going, you know, and I, I'm standing up there listening to him. I said, hey, uh, uh, do, you, uh, do you need a tire gauge with your truck? for your tire and he goes no no sir I don't I don't need one I said and I I had already apologized to him about three times I said I'm really sorry I didn't know you you had been waiting and so he gets through finally didn't need a tire gauge so what did that mean that meant that probably he had a, a hole in his tire and he probably didn't have the money to fix it and so he's been filling it up every three or four days and he's irritated and agitated about that. I mean, it just because if he didn't have a tire gauge and he really didn't care, he just put enough air in there because it had been low. That's what the Holy Spirit said. See, if you're not thinking about yourself, you're thinking the Holy Spirit will tell you what's really going on, you know. And so he gets through, and I'm holding the end of it, and he's walking towards me with it to hand it to me. And I'm just going to use this word, if this word offends you, it's not a ugly word it's just a matter of fact word and people use it when they're kind of upset but I I realized this wasn't a touchy-feely kind of guy you know he probably would have decked me you know or or swung at me if I tried to be all emotional with him or whatever and I just said you know what bro I said uh, I said if I'd have been in your same situation that would have pissed me off and the guy looks at me and he says thank you sir he just, I mean, if I'd had time, I could have gone and had his tire fixed. You know what I'm saying? If I had time, I was, you know. But that guy needed that. Because what that said to him was that I felt why he was so upset. And that's what God does. God knows why we're upset about situations. God knows why why a person is jealous of something or they're angry with something or they have hatred about something or they have unforgiveness. God knows those things. And that's why we have to operate in patience, you know. Later on, I thought, man, I'm glad I reacted, right? There's 20 of the people of Gates of the City right there watching everything I'm doing. I, I, you know, I didn't even think about that in the beginning, but later I thought, yeah, that was a good reason. But that guy needed to hear me say, I mean, I, you, don't, you don't have to use, you know, ugly words to make a, a response to somebody in a, in a right way, but he needed to hear me use the choice word that I used because I believe God gave me that word to use to get his attention that I understood where he was at. Because listen, God knows where we're at, but we've got to treat other people the same way. That, that's what we're here to do. That's what love does. That's what agape, this supreme love, always responds 
in a correct way, always. And when we don't respond correctly, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. We can repent and move on. God, I didn't react. I ask you to forgive me for this. But I thank you, Lord, that you've empowered me. You've forgiven me. And I have the anointing now to do what's right next time. And the more we live like that, the less we'll be in cleanup mode. The more you live like that, the more you press into God when you make a mistake, the less you'll find yourself cleaning up and you'll do right the first time. That's, is that not the end game? We want to do it right every single time. How many in agreement with me today? I want to do it right the way God would do it in every situation every single time. So we just keep working at it. Everybody say, I'm a doer. We're not just hearers, we're doers. And we're going to do, and we're going to keep doing, and we're going to keep doing, and keep loving, and keep experiencing the things of God on a day-to-day basis to be everything God created us to be. Because we have a whole world of people that need us to have a real relationship with God. Not anything else. You can have all the things of the world, but if you don't have God, it's not going to do people any good. Because you don't have enough for everybody. None of us, all of us together don't have enough for everybody. But God is more than enough. And that's why what they need from us, what that guy needed right there, more than me fixing his tire, was the fact that I understood why he felt the way he felt. I see that more and more all the time. People just want to be understood. I mean, that guy had probably three or four scars on the side of his face, so I figure he had probably been in some altercations over tires before. <laughs> hmm? It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Love covers everything. Everything. Yeah, I mean, it covers every single thing that's out there. Love does. Now watch these verses of Scripture. What are we talking about? Agape. It's the words in, in these verses of Scripture are either agape or agapo, but they come from the same root word, supreme. This is the supreme love. And one of our popular scriptures found in John 3.16, for God so loved the world God so agape the world, God so unselfishly gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved that he gave. Remember, if you don't love, it's because you don't know God. And God so loved that he gave. But, but you, know, you, know, you know what? What? what a little deeper, a little farther in, in that, in, in talking about that, I want you to think of it like this. If God is love, and it says God so loved, then love so loved, but love is God, and so he, 
love gave of himself because he loved us so much. God, God the Father gave all of anything that he would want, he gave that in giving his son. So I think one of the reasons that it talks about the Father giving his son is because there's a scripture that says that, you know, a, a, a man might give something. He might give a child or a son away for a, a righteous person, somebody that's been good. But to give the best that you have for people that don't deserve it? To give the best that you have for people that don't deserve it? It just doesn't compute. It just doesn't make any sense. God so loved people that he gave the best so he didn't think about himself. It wasn't about him holding on to something that was precious to him, but he gave it to redeem everybody. In his giving, he got back even more. That's the thing about God. When you do something right, the reward when you love somebody when they don't deserve to be loved, the reward there is beyond anything that your natural mind can think. Things in the natural in the world will never measure up to the rewards of walking in love. Another verse, <clears throat> another 3.16 is 1 John 3.16. 1 John in the back. <clears throat> Actually, let's, uh, no, no, that's fine. Verse 16. By this, we know love. By this, we know love. Because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Everybody said the brethren. He didn't say the world. He said the people that are saved. Listen, if you can love people that you know them better, if you can love those people, you can love anybody. I, I tell you what, as a pastor, I have never been as proud, if you want to use the word, Pride is, in the Bible is usually uh, reserved for a negative connotation, but um, I just say today that pride, having pride in something, having appreciation for something is a good thing. And I've never appreciated so much what I saw in the people of Gates of the City, and I, I believe many of the uh, others of you that when you go in the future, because this was the beginnings of Gates' mission, kind of a redoing and vamping over the last few years of being, having a greater vision and understanding of, of the people of the world. And when you can come out of your zone for a season and go and invest in people. Uh, but I, I was so amazed at how our, our group worked as a team. We did a number of projects helping people. Uh, how, many, how many bags did we fill to feed 
How many children got meals because of the bags that we fed, that we filled? What was it? About 13, it was over 1,300, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, and we, we, we filled those down these conveyor belts at a, at a food pantry. I mean, this is a high-class food pantry. I mean, I was so amazed at how well that they did and how organized they were. But our team got in there, and we filled over 1,300 bags in two hours of a lot of, a lot of products. I mean, a lot of products. And, and filled these boxes, and, and, and uh, I was just so amazed at how quick and how well that we just connected with what they wanted done. You know, we weren't coming in there saying, well, we think we ought to do it like this, or we ought to do it this, no, 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 we just, they're, they're, the, they're the ones doing it, we came to support them, and it, it was fabulous what we did, you know. We helped some crisis centers that, that the Dream Center has for, for women, moving furniture around. Our, our, our mostly ladies, uh, organized their whole arts and crafts area in about what, in about an hour? I mean, I, I mean, we walked in that room, and I'm thinking, whew, this is a mess. <laughs> and an hour, maybe hour and a half later, it was actually all put in order and ready for those children or those girls to come in and do their projects. I mean, it was phenomenal what we did. And, and everywhere we went, people wanted, just gravitated toward us. Why? Because we're people that believe in our God. Not for any other reason. You know, if you're just on a trip because you want to see what other people are doing and, you know, you, you, you want to spend the other half of the time vacationing and those kind of things, well, that, that's fine. Do that kind of a trip. But that wasn't this trip. This is a trip of investing and laying our lives down and helping and getting vision for, for how God is doing things all over the world in a greater way. See, and it, it doesn't mean, see, it doesn't mean that, okay, we, we're going to go over there and then we're going to bring all that back and try to accomplish something like that in Kerrville. No, we're, we're doing what we're doing in Kerrville. And, and what that does for the 20 people that went is how can you be more open to walk in love with other people? Because when we do it, when we do the ministry ourselves, anything that we do on a larger level will evolve from that. Because we're already doing the ministry. We're not going somewhere, going to come back and copy what somebody's doing and try to start something. No, we're going to get stirred up. And everybody that went, it wasn't just about the event. It was about the, the weeks and months and years from here on that their lives will be affected because of the impartation and then what we were able to give out. See, it works both ways. That's why we need things like this. I encourage you, if you've ever been, if you, you may be a person that thought, you know, I could never go on a missions trip. Try one. You'll see others that, you'll see opportunities for that to happen in the days ahead because, because of what, how the vision is kind of evolving around that in a greater way than it's been in the past for us. So give it a shot because we, we'll never go anywhere just to go. We'll go in the places that we go to make a difference. And that's what happened in this. What we saw was the love of God flowing to us, but the love of God flowing out of us. And, I, and I'm telling you, every person that went realizes they have something in a greater way from God because of the investment that's been made in their lives and in their hearts. Isn't it a great thing? It's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing to be alive and, and, and to operate in the kingdom of God. In, in John, um, 
Actually, in 1 Corinthians, I want to read this. This This is a really good verse of Scripture. We're talking about the love of God. In 1 Corinthians 16, and let's look at uh, verse 13 and 14. This, when you think of agape, and you think of every individual, every parent that is developing storage love for their, their children... It has, to, it has to be affected by agape love, by the supreme love. And that can only happen in your relationship with him. You have to have a relationship with, the lo- with love, with God. And in that, you'll be a greater and more effective parent. You'll be a greater and more effective spouse to the person that you're married to because the eros love is totally reserved for marriage. And the Bible's real clear about that. But you can never have passion for your mate and understand how to operate in that. We talked about that in the, in, in the, the day that we, we talked and, and ministered on Eros Love. You'll never be what you need to be to your mate if you're not connected to the God who is love. You, you'll never have the phileo friendship type love where you lay your life down for other people if you're not connected to the God that laid his life down for you in spite of you because he loved you so much, ever. It didn't work that way. And in 1 Corinthians uh, 16 and verse 13 says, watch, stand, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, and be strong. Right there, those two verses of Scripture would be, a, would be a good confession for you every day, like this. Lord, I declare today that I watch, I stand fast in the faith, I am brave, and I am strong. And today... Everything that I do is being done in the love that you are. Something like that. Taking those two verses of Scripture right there and making that a confession over yourself, you need to hear yourself say those things. When, when I've encouraged the church in, at different times in different ways over the last year, year and a half, is I've encouraged you to pray the prayers in Ephesians 1 and 3, I've encouraged you to pray those things over your, those prayers over yourself and over other people so that you hear yourself declaring over yourself that you operate in wisdom and knowledge and understanding, that you operate in the love of God in a way to understand the whole family of God, not just you and just your world. But if you're not developing that in a relationship with God, you're never going to have that for the whole family. You're not going to have that for everybody when it's not working in you personally. That's why, as I've shared with you many, many times, that's why we have to be doers of the word, but you'll never do the word that you're not aware of. That's why confession is so vital. Making a confession like this. I watch. I stand fast in faith. 
I'm brave and I'm strong. I do everything, everything that is done this day, I'm doing it in the love of God. Why? Because I'm patient. And when I'm patient, I have faith to be kind, to deal with rudeness, to deal with selfishness, to deal with anything and everything that goes contrary to the love of God, the nature of God, the attributes that, 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 you know, that define who God truly is, the things that we're talking about today. This is who He is. But if it doesn't come out of us toward other people and in loving other people, it will never work. And I'll just tell you this, for all those that you that went on our trip and everybody else in here today, there's no day like the present to walk in the love of God with people that are in your life. People, number one, that are closest to you, and number two, people that you spend time with day to day. Some of you spend time, depending on the job that you're at, you spend you know, a lot of time with other people that aren't even family members, but you're around them. And sometimes we can write it off, they may have a real you know, coarse personality, have an attitude and things, you don't like them or whatever. But when you open yourself up to the things of God, God will show you things about other people that you have that they need. See, it's not just about you trying to make somebody repent or deal with themselves, but just your kindness that will flow out of you will cause, the Bible says, the kindness of God, the kindness that comes from the love of God causes men to repent people to make a change. The kindness does. That man at the, at, with, uh, at the air compressor, the, the man that was there, what, what I demonstrated, and, I, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm telling you what I did, but I, what I did was I did without even thinking. It was what came out of me in the way I responded to that man. But the kindness that I showed that man, I promise you, he's still thinking about it. He's still thinking about it because he hadn't probably gotten that most of the time. And that needs to change. I believe it is changing. I believe the church around the world is changing and, and we're becoming people that are learning how to love and not just think about ourselves, but demonstrate that type of love in difficult situations. Can you say amen? And so today I want to I finish this with reading John chapter 17. I'm just going to read the whole chapter. So just follow with me as I read this. And I'm, and I'm leading to a verse of Scripture right at the end that I want to make my point concerning. These were in the, some of the last days of Jesus' life, this prayer that he prayed to the Father. Verse 1, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh that he should Give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. 
I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Before the world was. See, Jesus now is talking out of revelation of knowing who he was and who he ultimately was and knew that he was with the Father before the foundation of the world because he was the living word made flesh. Verse 6, I manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost, except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So everything that Jesus has said, he said for us. And I used to focus on the fact that he said it for me, but he said it for us. And I'm talking about every human being on planet earth today. He said that for us. Like he said it for his disciples in those days and everybody that was there and everybody that's lived for the last 2,000 plus years since Jesus left the earth. It was for all those people, but it's for all of us right now. For the However many billion that there are on planet earth today, this is for them also. And this is what he said. I'll say it again. I do not pray for those alone, these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So since Jesus left and he left what he left to his disciples, it's been a duplication process ever since. The word in Revelation has been duplicating. God is establishing things in our hearts and in our lives so that we can be to the world what Jesus was to the world and what he intended for us to be to the world. Can you say amen to that? 
Now watch what he said. Do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know, that the world may know that you have sent me, and I have loved them as you love me. Father, I desire, verse 24, that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. God had a purpose for what Jesus accomplished before the foundation of the world. God had a purpose and a plan for you and my life before the foundation of the world. He had a purpose. O righteous Father, that the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. There's a lot in that passage to be good for you to study it, to read it, to look over it. But I want to say these two things about this passage. God's plan was for you and I to be sanctified by his truth. And the word sanctified means to be set apart. For you to be set apart is for you to know that you're set apart. Because the truth is transforming you. When you find yourself in situations like the people that went on our trip, when, they, when you find yourself in situation with people that are not the norm that you live around every day, and experiences and things that these people have gone through that not just everybody goes through. I mean, some of us in here have gone through similar situations and circumstances. But a whole group of people with testimonies about those kind of things, it, it does something to you. But, but when you've been sanctified with the truth and set apart, what it makes you realize is, is that you have something to help people like that. And Jesus made this comment. So, so the sanctification of the truth setting us apart is what the whole process is about. And in this verse that I just read, I want to read it again. Verse 25. O righteous Father, the world has not known you. The world doesn't know you. But Jesus said this, but I have known you. And these, these that you've given me, the, the 12 and the 70 that were with him, and there were more than that, but, but that was the majority of those that were with him most of the time. He said, and these have known that you sent me. He didn't say that they, that they knew him because in not too many days from right here at the, uh, the, the writing of this, the, this passage or what was going on right here, the, a few days from this writing when it, when it was actually going on, 
They all denied him. They all second-guessed the things that he said. But they did believe that the Father had sent Jesus. In the three and a half years that they were walking with him, they really believed that the Father had sent them because that's why after the day of Pentecost, they were all passionate about loving people and ministering life to people. But our processes that we've been on, everybody's been on a on a three-and-a-half-year journey or a ten-year journey or however long that you've been born again. And during that time, there's things that you learn, but what really you become convinced of is that the Father sent Jesus. You become convinced of the fact that you're born again. But it isn't until you really know Him that you begin to love like Him so that the world knows that God's real. I'm just telling you today, this isn't, everything that I do today in, the, in, in, in ministry is simple. What I'm sharing you with you is simplicity 101. Nothing that you can do for other people is going to last in them believing how real God is and that you can have a relationship with God. Only the love that you show people. Only. Nothing else will cause people to believe that God is real. One plants, one waters, God brings the increase. Let me just ask you, because I told you the story about the guy at the air compressor. How many believe that, that, was, that what I did with that man was a seed? I ask you, how many believe that was a seed? Raise your hand if you believe that was a seed in that man's life. Okay? One, one plants a seed, one waters the seed, and God brings the increase. Never underestimate the power of a seed planted. Never underestimate you being kind when your flesh wants to be ugly. Never underestimate that simple little seed. You know, you, everybody sitting in here has remembered a time when somebody was kind when you thought they were going to be ugly. You remember things like that. A man yesterday, he remembers that and will remember the fact that I understood why he was the way he was. I've seen that happen many, 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 many times. That's been done to me where someone was kind when I didn't deserve it. There, 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 there was, there, there's been times when people, you know, their reactions to me coming back and repenting for overreacting is still a seed. Never underestimate the power of a seed planted or if you're watering a seed that's already been planted because God is bringing the increase in humanity and that's why we're here. And the love of God, the agape of God, that supreme love is what has to be developed in us so that we can be the parents, the spouses, friends, 
the co-workers. We can be the everything that we were created to be because we understand and we have an ongoing relationship with God himself. And I'll just tell you this, and there's a, there's a good balance in understanding this. If you do something wrong and you've not learned how to repent for doing something wrong, the grace of God will always cover you. It'll always cover you. But over time, the grace of God will appear like it's not covering you, even though it is. The grace of God will always be there. But what's really good is when you learn how to, in the moment, take responsibility for your actions and repent, and then realize how much power you have to do right the next time. And the only way you can do that is in your ongoing, developing relationship with God who is love. And when you live that way and you operate that way, what evolves out of that is connections with people and helping people in ways that you never thought you would. What God's looking for is ministers of, of righteousness, helping people to be brought back to the things of God. And that starts day to day. We win the world one person at a time, right where we're at. Think of it. Think about how many people each and every one of us come in contact with every day. I mean, you know, we come here and we come in contact with each other. But think about where we go in this whole area and the people we come in contact with. I come in contact with people you don't and vice versa, all of us. Just think about one person that you're just letting the love of God. I'm not talking about, I mean, in most cases, it's not about preaching to people. It's just loving people, just accepting people. Because one plants and one waters, and God brings the increase. And sometimes your watering will be on the heels of someone else planting, and so maybe it is time to share something with them or lead them to the Lord or whatever. But in many cases, I've found that people are not ready for my God until they come to a place of being loved. Yeah, you know, how, how, how could a God they can't see love them when nobody else in their life has ever loved them? So they need some loving from you. Right? They need to see some loving, some skin loving them in spite of who they are and the way they look and the things that they do or anything else. So I'm telling you, we're living in a great time in the United States of America and in, in, in this world. And we've got many opportunities to help other people. And in helping other people is where our lives get transformed and changed. You will not get transformed and changed just because you come and hear the word and because you're confessing the word. That will not transform and change your life. It sets you up to be transformed and changed, but if you're not putting it to work, it won't change you because nobody else is going to come and, you know, make you love somebody. I mean, you know, you could hire somebody to follow you around every day. If you see me acting ugly, slap me. But, I mean, okay, you know, that'd be an expensive hire for most people. And that'd that wear your cheek out after a while. That God didn't make it that way. He taught us to operate in self-control and to be doers of the word and operate in that and, and allow those kind of things to flow in our lives. Can you say amen to that? What a great day to be alive in the things of God. Amen?